episode number 73. But if you don't have the light of Torah, there will be no resurrection and no eternal life. This is what it says. I'm not making it up. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Yaleo Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. The Torah portion of the week is Mitzavim. No excuses on Rosh Hashanah. The Torah is not in heaven. We're going to have a powerful parable about the special cake, a great story about Rav Shach, and peace in your home, marrying the daughter of a Torah scholar. And now, the Torah portion of the week, with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. So chapter 30 in Devarim starts out like this. It will be that when all these blessings come upon you, the blessing and the curse that I've presented before you, then you will take it to your heart among all the nations where Hashem your God has dispersed you, and you return to Hashem your God and listen to His voice. According to everything that I commanded you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul. So the Ramban explains that this is the future. This is the final ingathering of all the exiles. This is a prophecy that hasn't happened yet. And it continues exactly. Then Hashem your God will return your captivity and have mercy upon you. And he will gather you from the peoples where Hashem your God has scattered you. And this is exactly what's happening today. All the Jews are coming back to Eretz Yisrael. The Arabs are moving all over the world. This is going to cause the Jews, all the Jews to come back to Eretz Yisrael. So in Pasuk 11, we return to the time frame where this Torah is actually being said. What does it say there? For this commandment that I have commanded you today, it is not hidden from you, and it is not distant. It is not in the heavens for you to say, Who can ascend to the heavens for us and take it for us? Let us hear it so that we can perform it. Nor is it across the sea for you to say, Who can cross the other side of the sea for us to take it? And let us hear it so that we can perform it. Rather, the matter is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart to perform it. The famous verse, Ki karo mo'od, So Rashi explains it's talking about limud Torah, it's talking about learning Torah. And he says, and it is not in the heavens, because if it was in the heavens, you'd have to go up after it in order to learn it. That's how important learning is. And the point here is there is no excuse not to learn Torah. It's close, you can understand it. It's available, and we're commanded to learn. So Rabbeinu Bachi explained, it says four times the word he, the word it. Where is that? It says, it is not hidden from you. It is not distant from you. And it's not in the heaven. And it is not over the sea. So why does it say it four times? Rabbeinu Bachi explains. It refers to the four fundamental elements of creation. And it also refers to the four patriarchs who are on the Kisayat Kavod in the Shemaim, Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and David. In other words, the Torah is the most fundamental thing of this creation in this world and in the heavens. And it is the purpose of creation, and it is the purpose of what we need to do with our lives. Every Jewish man is commanded to learn Torah, and every Jewish woman is commanded to help their husbands and sons learn Torah. That's how a woman gets her next world, by sending her sons and husbands to the base Midrash. Lord of Desla has a question. The verse said, It is very close to you. It is in your mouth and your heart to do. So he says, I understand that in your heart, 
that brings you close to God. But how could something in your mouth, because it's in your mouth, that brings you close to God? So he brings a pasuk in here that says, man is born to toil. And the Gemara in Sanhedrin explains, what is the toil I'm referring to? The toil with his mouth. Man was created to work with his mouth. He says, if a person gets used to speaking about Torah and holiness, this will have a tremendous influence on his thought patterns and also on his emotions. And he gives an example. He says, if a heavy truck starts to roll backwards down a hill and the brakes have failed and the engine's off, so the only way he's going to get that truck to stop rolling down that hill is if he turns the engine on. So it's the same thing with speech. Speech is the engine of the soul. Speech has the power to bring our knowledge and bear upon our heart. If we would only fill our speech with Torah and wisdom and Musa, this is the toiling that the rabbis were talking about. And that's what the verse says. It is in the power of our mouth and our heart to do. And this is the essential way that we're going to change ourselves before Rosh Hashanah and for Yom Kippur. It's the Torah itself. By learning Torah, talking Torah, discussing it with your friends and your family. The Torah itself is the koach to bring us back to Hashem. But the Svasemis explains, it's not just talking in coffee shops about Torah. For a man, it's much more than that. You need Yigiya. Why? Where do we know that? Because it says, like Rashi said, if it was in the Shemaim, so you would have to go up to the Shemaim and get it. That's the kind of effort it takes. He says, this easy access to the Torah applies only to a person who yearns for Torah with his whole heart. That is, we're talking about here a person who's attached emotionally and spiritually to Torah. So much so that he would go up to heaven to get it if he had to. But then the Torah will not be distant. For this personality, for this person who's willing to do everything for Torah, that person has a Torah available. Revolbi says, Despite the great distance that separates Hashem from His creations, we have the ability to bridge this gap to the Torah that is near to us. And he brings the Kuzari that explains it's not just talking about the next world. We're not just doing Torah mitzvahs for the next world. We're doing it for this world. In this world, through learning Torah and talking in Torah, we're bringing Hashem close to us. The Kuzari explains, it doesn't say if you do this after you die, it will bring you to a place of pleasure. Rather, the Torah says, and it will be for me a nation, and I will be for you a God, and I will guide you. The purpose of the Torah is to bring close to Hashem to us in this world, now. And it's through the learning Torah, and speaking in Torah, and thinking about Torah. This is the vehicle that brings us close to God and brings God close to us. And Rav Shimshon Ufayo Hirsch explains like this. He says, the preceding verses had to do with the future destiny of the Jewish people. The entire history of the world. Where in the end, God will gather up all the Jewish people and bring them back to Yushalayim. That's just it out. So he says, this verse, which comes right after, which is the fulfillment of God's Torah transmitted to us through Moshe. This is the sole basis of our destiny in all times and the foundation of our hopes in our future. In other words, the Jewish people's destiny is dependent on learning Torah, being involved in Torah. And what does it mean that it's not beyond your understanding? Don't say, how can I possibly understand the Torah? And don't say it's not accessible. It's not in heaven. Don't say the Torah is the realm of the supernatural. Nothing of it remains in heaven. It's all on the earth. And don't say it's over the sea. Don't say it depends on all these different circumstances that coulda, shoulda, woulda. I have to have everything set up. 
It's not true. It's very close to you. Look what he says. The subject and the content of this Torah are very closer to you. Closer than anything else. Why? For you yourself are its subject, and your life on earth is its content. In order to understand both the subject and the content of the Torah, you need only to delve into your own inner self and examine your earthly human relationship with open eyes. To study the Torah with mind and heart, guided by the oral tradition, and in order to know and fulfill its commandments, that is the only way in which the Torah can be acquired. This way is accessible to everyone, everywhere, always. And it is the only way in which we will be able to understand God's Torah and learn from it our eternal mission on earth. In other words, the learning of Torah is the purpose of a Jew, and it's the purpose of a Jewish family. That the father and the son should be learning Torah, and the women and the sisters should be supporting Torah. It's the highest thing that a Jew can do. But listen to Rav Schwab has to say about this. There's an earlier Pusik in this week's Parsha that says like this, 29.18. When he hears the statements of this oath curse, he will imagine self-blessing saying, Peace will be my lot when I shall follow my thoughts and vision, so that the quenched may be added to the thirsty. In other words, person could have said, don't worry, I have my own idea of what Judaism is about, and I'll have peace. So he brings down that in Tanakh, thirst is always a metaphor for the desire of Torah learning. person's thirsty. Why? It says in Baba Kama 17a, on the verse of Yeshiao that says, everyone who is thirsty, go to the water. What's water? Water is always a symbol for Torah. Ain't my male Torah. Water always means Torah. So what is this person saying? He's saying, I'll be satisfied. I'll have peace. I should have peace and walk without Torah study. But what does the next verse say? Ay, ay, ay. Hashem will be unwilling to forgive him. So he wants to say, those who believe that the constant study of Torah is not an absolute requirement of Judaism, those who are satisfied with the performance of other mitzvahs alone are committing a grave and perhaps an unforgivable sin. Judaism without Torah is just another religion. It's not the will of God. Rituals are common to all religions. It's this unique quality of Yiddishkeit, of Judaism, this special relationship with Hashem that a Jew achieves only through Torah study. This is what makes us different than all the nations. This is what really makes us Jewish. And this has always been the focus of, through all of history of the yeshivas. The yeshivas have always focused on the learning of Torah, the teaching of Torah, the speaking in Torah, the thinking in Torah. And Chazal tells us that if something happens to a person and he does the cheshbon and nefesh, he checks himself out, and he can't figure out where it's coming from, so then he should say it's because of Bittu Torah. It's because he wasted time. He did other things when he could have been learning. We're nowhere near the madrig of the generations before that are able to focus their minds 20 hours a day in learning. But at least the time we have, we should spend in learning. This is Yiddishkeit. This is Judaism. That's the real thing. Everything else, focus on everything else, is a watered-down version. So I just want to end off what the Chavetz Chaim says on this verse. What does it mean it's not in heaven? He says, the good fortune of this world is Torah. In the world to come, one receives reward, but the Torah station is not there. The Torah was given to us, physical beings in this world, in order to purify us. Like the Perkei says, If you have learned much Torah, do not pride yourself in it, because you were created for this purpose. The Torah is the purpose of the entire creation. And if man does not possess Torah, he will be a pauper for eternity. Not only here, but also there, the next world. 
And he brings Rashi. When Rashi said that it's not in heaven, but if it was in heaven, we'd be obligated to get it. That's how important it is. We'd be obligated to go up to heaven to figure out a way to get it. So this you got to hear. This is scary. Listen to this. This would be our duty because man's time on earth passes in anger and pain and suffering and hurt. And after all of his trials and labors, during his limited time on earth, he remains with absolutely nothing except for the light of the Torah he has learned. Only someone who possesses the light of Torah merits resurrection and eternal life. As it says in Yeshiao, awake and sing, dwellers in the dust, for your due Torah is a due of light. The Chavetz Chaim says, and he's bringing Gemara Kasubos, that there is no resurrection, there's no eternal life without Torah. This is the scariest thing I've ever heard. You could do all the mitzvahs you want. You could do pigeon and ben. You could light Shabbos candles. All these other mitzvahs, you could do them. But if you don't have the light of Torah, there will be no resurrection and no eternal life. This is what it says. I'm not making it up. And this is the Chafetz Chaim, the leader of the last generation, the post Kador, the greatest scholar of the last generation. He's not saying nonsense. It's real. So essentially, we have to understand that in order to make Hashem the king on Rosh Hashanah, in order to relate to God, we only can relate to God through Torah. That's the medium. How do we come close to God? Torah. And that should be our focus on Rosh Hashanah. We should spend time learning. Don't sleep during the day. Go to the base midrash. Go to shul. Go to a class. Listen to Torah. Think about Torah. Talk Torah on your table. That's how we make Hashem the Melech. That's how we make Hashem the king. And I guarantee if we do that, we'll have the best year ever. I will be blessed with all the blessings that Hashem wants to give us. Here is a powerful parable. So the Magid Maduva brings the verse that we said before. You will return to Hashem your God and obey Him exactly. So the Rambam brings down the Hilchus Tshuva that even though Tshuva and chatting to Hashem is good for the world. But on the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, it's even better and accepted immediately. He wants to bring a mushroom. It sounds like this. There was once a very wise man that used to come up with all these inventions. He'd come up with new machines, new types of foods, all kinds of things. But there was a man in the town who was a rich man, but he was very cheap. And he would never buy the inventions that this guy would make. So one time the wise man made a cake which would satisfy a person who ate it for 10 days. You just eat this cake? You're not hungry for 10 days? So he's trying to sell it in the shuk there. And this cheap guy came by. He says, maybe you want to buy this cake? You know, it lasts for 10 days. He says, listen, I don't waste my money on these kind of inventions. He says, listen, this is perfect for you. A person who's trying to save money, all you have to do is get this cake and then you've saved yourself money for the entire 10 days. You don't have to buy food after that. So that was the musha. What's the nimshal? He says, those people who the rest of the year, they have a hard time getting to shul, a hard time learning. They're a little bit laid back. Okay. But when it comes to the 10 days of tshuva, at least they should take advantage of it. Because these 10 days are perfect for a person like this who relaxes the rest of the year. Because Hashem will bless them if they work hard and do tshuva during the 10 days of tshuva. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. In verse 27, 26, it says like this. Accursed is the one who will not uphold the words of his Torah. So the Ramban brings you Shami that says like this. A person who learns and teaches 
keeps at the Torah and does its mitzvahs, but has the opportunity to support it and does not, is included in this curse. That's what it says. A curse is the one who does not uphold the words of Torah. He could have supported Torah and he didn't. So Rav Shach told a story about the Chafetz Chaim. The Chafetz Chaim was very old, but they invited him to a meeting of the Vadi Yeshivot. So he said there when he got there, Believe me, my dear brothers, I am so weak. I wanted to come here even for a hundred pieces of gold. Not only that, I wouldn't even come here for a hundred mitzvahs. But for the sake of strengthening Torah, I just had to come. So Rav Shach said, What was one mitzvah worth of the Chafetz Chaim? And still, the Chafetz Chaim said, I wouldn't come here for a hundred mitzvahs. How weak he must have been. But when it came to the Torah, all of a sudden he had the strength. Torah is a different matter entirely, he says. And there's also a story like this about Rav Shach himself. When he was an old, very old man, he was totally exhausted. But he went to this wedding. So he said to his grandson, Believe me, I wouldn't have gone to this wedding for 10,000 gold pieces. But what could I do? This family supports Torah. I just couldn't refuse. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. So Moshe Aaron Stone explains the value of marrying the daughter of a Tamachachim. He starts out like this. He says, every guy in yeshiva saw that there was a lot of Bachrim. A lot of his friends were destined to be great people. And if you said, who's going to be great here? They would have pointed out lots of kids. But where are those kids today? So he says, I did a lot of research. And I tried to figure out which kids came out really to be great rabbis. He says, those were the ones that married into good families. If a man marries a daughter of a Tamachachim who has the right values... So his learning will continue, and he'll continue to grow in Torah. But if not, it's not guaranteed. And it brings down the Chazanish, who says, If the girl herself has those values, that's good enough. If she herself has the values of her husband coming a Tamachacham, even if her father is not a Tamachacham, still the boy will continue to grow in learning. To succeed, one needs a wife who encourage him to learn with no interruptions. There are Rechim who learn without pause because they've shouldered the yoke of Torah. And even if they're forced to pause, the yoke will always remain. This attitude is priceless. And he brings the famous Rav Chaim Shmuelovich who asked the question. We know that Rabbi Akiva was away from his wife for 24 years. But really, after 12 years, he went back. And he was about to walk in the door. And he heard his wife saying, who was saying to the neighbor, the neighbor was saying, where's your husband? And she said, you know what? If my husband came back today, I'd send him back again. For another 12 years. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> he heard, he went back. So what's the difference between 12 and 12? The answer is 12 and 12 is not the same as 24. 24 straight years of learning does not equal 12 and 12. It's the continuity in the learning. And there's Yushalmi Pesachimit says, Rebbe Baal sent his son Rebbe Hananu learned in Tiberia. But he heard that his son was involved in burials and chesed. So he sent this message to his son. Are there no graves in Caesarea that I sent you to Tiberia? So of course he was doing mitzvahs. He was involved in burying people and doing chesed. But his father objected. He said, this is going to prevent your growth in learning. The most important mitzvah. Ah, it's a mitzvah of chesed, which is a tremendous mitzvah also. Kindness. So the Chazanish said, there is no greater chesed than producing another tamachachem. Mitzvahs can be left for others, that's what Chazanish said. In other words, there's no greater chesed than turning yourself into a tamachachim. That's the greatest chesed. And what does the Gemara Baobas say in 121a? The Jews never had happier days in the 15th of Av and Yom Kippur. 
So Rabbeinu Gershon explains what happened on the 15th of Av. On 15th of Av, the Jews finished chopping trees for the altar. And at that point, they were able to devote themselves to more learning. They didn't have to work anymore. Ah, before they learned, but now they can learn continuously without a worry on their head. He quotes his uncle, he says, Rabbi Yisrael Yitzchak Zimmerman used to say to his wife, if you want anything now, you better tell me, because once I start learning, I'm not going to stop. Tell me now what you need. And this is how all the Gedali Torah of generations grew in Torah and fear of God. And any person could become great using this procedure. How do we know that anyone could become great by sitting and learning? We know that Rabbi Akiva's father-in-law vowed a vow against him that he wouldn't help him at all. But he claims he wanted to renew the vow because now Rabbi Akiva became this huge tamachachim. So how can you nullify the vow? You can't nullify a vow based on something that's going to happen later. That's called nolad. So Tosvos answers, it's not called nolad. Why not? Because it's the normal way that someone who goes to learn becomes an Adam Gadol, becomes a great person. We see that it's not necessarily brightness or a quick grasp that creates the Talmud Chacham, but rather the mere fact that he sets out to learn. And our problem is that every other minute we're wasting our time. But the point is here, in the first place, a person should try to marry someone who's going to support him in learning. And the wives have to know it's the greatest mitzvah. It's the greatest thing you can do. And that's what's going to bring peace into your house and blessing into your house. Okay, that's it for this week's Torah podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends. And everyone should have a Rosh Hashanah Mituka. Sweet year. Sweet good year. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at globalyeshiva.com.